Episode 62. There were also memories of another kind. They stood out in his mind disconnectedly, like pictures with blackness all around them. He was in a cell, which might have been either dark or light, because he could see nothing except a pair of eyes. Near at hand, some kind of instrument was ticking slowly and regularly. The eyes grew larger and more luminous, and suddenly he floated out of his seat, dived into the eyes, and was swallowed up. He was strapped into a chair, surrounded by dials under dazzling lights. A man in a white coat was reading the dials. There was a tramp of heavy boots outside. The door clanged open and the wax-faced officer marched in, followed by two guards. Room 101, said the officer. The man in the white coat did not turn around. He did not look at Winston either. He was looking only at the dials. He was rolling down a mighty corridor, a kilometer wide, full of glorious golden light, roaring with laughter and shouting out confessions at the top of his voice. He was confessing everything, even the things he had succeeded in holding back under the torture. He was relating the entire history of his life to an audience who knew it already. With him were the guards, the other questioners, the men in white coats, O'Brien, Julia, Mr. Charrington, all rolling down the corridor together and shouting with laughter. Some dreadful thing which had lain embedded in the future had somehow been skipped over and had not happened. Everything was all right. There was no more pain. The last detail of his life was laid bare, understood, forgiven. He was starting up from the plank bed in the half-certainty that he had heard O'Brien's voice. All through his interrogation, although he had never seen him, he had had the feeling that O'Brien was at his elbow, just out of sight. It was O'Brien who was directing everything. It was he who set the guards on to Winston and who prevented them from killing him. It was he who decided when Winston should scream with pain, when he should have a respite, when he should be fed, when he should sleep, when the drugs should be pumped into his arm. It was he who asked the questions and suggested the answers. He was the tormentor, he was the protector, he was the inquisitor, he was the friend. And once, 
Winston could not remember whether it was in drugged sleep or in normal sleep, or even in a moment of wakefulness. Once a voice murmured in his ear, don't worry, Winston, you are in my keeping. For seven years I have watched over you. Now the turning point has come. I shall save you. I shall make you perfect. He was not sure whether it was O'Brien's voice, but it was the same voice that had said to him, we shall meet in the place where there is no darkness in that other dream, seven years ago. He did not remember any ending to his interrogation. There was a period of blackness, and then the cell or room in which he now was had gradually materialized round him. He was almost flat on his back, unable to move. His body, was held down at every essential point. Even the back of his head was gripped in some manner. O'Brien was looking down at him gravely and rather sadly. His face, seen from below, looked coarse and worn, with pouches under the eyes and tired lines from nose to chin. He was older than Winston had thought him. He was perhaps 48 or 50. Under his hand, there was a dial with a lever on top and figures running round the face. I told you, said O'Brien, that if we met again, it would be here. Yes, said Winston. Without any warning except a slight movement of O'Brien's hand, a wave of pain flooded his body. It was a frightening pain because he could not see what was happening. And he had the feeling that some mortal injury was being done to him. He did not know whether the thing was really happening or whether the effect was electrically produced, but his body was being wrenched out of shape. The joints were being slowly torn apart. Although the pain had brought the sweat out on his forehead, the worst of all was the fear that his backbone was about to snap. He set his teeth and breathed hard through his nose, trying to keep silent as long as possible. You are afraid, said O'Brien, watching his face, that in another moment something is going to break. Your special fear is that it will be your backbone. You have a vivid mental picture of the vertebrae snapping apart and the spinal fluid dripping out of them. That is what you are thinking, is it not, Winston? Winston did not answer. O'Brien drew back the lever on the dial and the wave of pain receded almost as quickly as it had come. That was 40, said O'Brien. You can see that the numbers on the dial run up to a hundred. Will you please remember throughout our conversation that I have it in my power to inflict pain on you at any moment and to whatever degree I choose? If you tell me any lies 
or attempt to prevaricate in any way, or even fall below your usual level of intelligence, you will cry out with pain instantly. Do you understand that? Yes, said Winston. O'Brien's manner became less severe. He resettled his spectacles thoughtfully and took a pace or two up and down. When he spoke, his voice was gentle and patient. He had the air of a doctor, a teacher, even a priest, anxious to explain and persuade rather than to punish. I am taking trouble with you, Winston, he said, because you are worth trouble. You know perfectly well what is the matter with you. You have known it for years, though you have fought against the knowledge. You are mentally deranged. You suffer from a defective memory. You are unable to remember real events and you persuade yourself that you remember other events which never happened. Fortunately, it is curable. You have never cured yourself of it because you did not choose to. There was a small effort of the will that you were not ready to make. Even now, I am well aware, you are clinging to your disease under the impression that it is a virtue. Now, we will take an example. At this moment, which power is Oceania at war with? When I was arrested, Oceania was at war with East Asia. With East Asia, good. And Oceania has always been at war with East Asia, has it not? Winston drew in his breath. He opened his mouth to speak and then did not speak. He could not take his eyes away from the dial. 